I don't think anything's changed except the fact they've they're using this as an opportunity to push more medicines on us versus fixing the problem, which is we could have prevented a lot of deaths if America was just more healthy when this pandemic hit us. It's just it's funny. It's, it's funny you know, the way you tell the story and everything. Funny how. Come here, come here though. Yeah, he's crazy, see? Who are you? Day. Yeah. Sorry, I'm sure everyone says that when you say Canada. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's so hard not to, us Americans. We have to say that. Um, <laughs> Everybody's usually local. <laughs> yes. Um, but this this is cool. You're I think you're only my um my third international call. I actually Yay. Yeah, so congrats <laughs> on that. Um I, I just had someone on the other day actually from Nigeria, which was Interesting with the Wi-Fi. That was tough, but we got through it. We got through it well. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I think you, you might be my first Canadian. So this is big for the country. Hey. Hey. Yeah. So I, I first originally uh, obviously saw you uh, via email. Um, something came through just kind of telling me a little bit about your background and things like that. But if you can kind of give me a cliff notes of – uh, what you do and, and your interest on being on the show. Yes, um, my background is uh, economics and social development. So I ran an organization and um, a nonprofit and social, uh, well, community social services, right? But my mm -hmm. passion and my current activities are in patient advocacy, well, um, trying to pivot the way we perceive healthcare and becoming it more of a your own your own your your own wellness advocator and health advocator where mm -hmm. right, rather than considering everything that's happened over the last couple of years we can't just rely on physicians and uh, healthcare care supporters just to uh, help us get better because that system is broken um, so that I, I do a lot of people, I help a lot of people navigating the healthcare system, uh, helping them navigate through their own traumas in healing, uh, mm. and going back into a cycle of wellness. Wow. So wellness focused. That's great. That's great. And how long have you been doing uh, that for? Well, the background stuff, a decade plus, but mm. with my, uh, my patient engagement and wellness some, uh, services about four years now. Oh, okay. Very good. Yeah, I mean, so very... I'm, I'm really sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no, you're fine. That's the crazy thing about these virtual podcasts. I, I can't stand them because the lag and everything like that, it's so easy to interrupt each other. I, I used to do podcasts in studio because I have a studio mm -hmm. here and I used to have guests come here, but you know, with the pandemic, obviously things slowed down and stuff. So, um, yeah, to your point, it's, it's the healthcare system, especially here in America. I mean, I, I'm a little bit familiar with how it is in Canada because I do have a, a couple of buddies that are up there um, in Ontario, and they've kind of told me a little bit about it, but there's also some cons to it as well, right? When you're getting that free health care, a lot of times with there's, if there's a big surgery, they want to come to America or they'll cross the border and go to New York or, uh, or Jersey if they want to save some money, and they'll try to find an expert on that side of the fence. So um, I'd love to know kind of your thoughts, what you know about American healthcare versus Canadian healthcare, just to educate the listener a little bit on the difference. 
Yeah, so in terms of my what the information I do have from the American healthcare system is that it's privatized, but it has tiers of um, affordability uh, built into it. Like there's the Medicaid, there's Obamacare, there's uh, some public health, and there are some charities that will subsidize payments post if, um, discharge uh, to accommodate people that have affordability issues and their insurance doesn't cover it. Uh, but for the most part, I, the way in, from a Canadian perspective, the way we perceive the American healthcare system is that if you're doing well and you're economically on the upper scale of the ladder, the healthcare is awesome. Right. But anytime that you're middle class and lower, good luck come to Canada. So that's sort of the, how we see it. Yeah. Um, and, and you're right, a lot of Canadians, once there is a, a serious issue uh, and time becomes of the essence, the Canadian healthcare system kind of lags and it, it at times fails them. So they do try to access international healthcare services. Mm. Yeah, you know, and I think that's the, um, that's kind of the conception that we have a little bit here in America. And it's interesting that we don't really necessarily look at it um, kind of how you guys do. And I think it, it, it hurts us personally because we've been so trained to, you know, everything our government does. Um, I hope they're not listening right now, but everything our government does, we kind of think of it like, okay, we'll just pay taxes and, and we'll do this and everything's going to be fine. They're going to take care of our roads and our schools and, and our healthcare and things like that. And then we start to realize, oh, when you get injured, to your point, if you're not in that upper class, you're screwed. And that goes, with in, yes. that goes with insurance as well. I mean, we, we don't really understand it because it's just kind of our normal type of thing that we do. Um, cause I have buddies that are over in Italy as well and they own a, a business over there. And we've, we've talked about this on the show before where their healthcare is great. You know, they're, they're very similar to uh, Canadian Europe and the healthcare of course is kind of one of those things that it's just free. It's just, if you have a boo-boo, you, you go and it doesn't cost you anything. And then, you know, it's because you paid for it already and it's in your taxes. It's built in. But us Americans, we're like, we're not really used to that only because we're paying for insurance for our cars. We're paying for our insurance for our health care. And it's this just this fee every single month that we've been accustomed to for so long. And we think it's kind of going to a place, you know, like when we pay our 7% taxes and our are 15% if you're in California and you're paying all these, and you're like, oh, the roads are going to be fine. The government's going to take care of it. And the next thing you know, every two days, you're hitting a pothole and you're like, wait a minute, didn't I pay taxes? Like what's, what's going on? So we're kind of like immune to just paying that fee every month, but we don't understand that that doesn't necessarily always mean you're going to get the best of the best. And is it worth it to pay every month on something that you don't necessarily need, like healthcare, like car insurance? Versus like where you guys are in, and I'd love to know your opinion on this, to where you're not paying every month like we do. But then when you do get a big boo-boo, sure, you might have to pay $5,000, right? But if you span that out in 15 years, you're saving money because I normally spend $200, $300 a month times that by 12 months in a year. That's almost $4,000 a year that I'm paying for, but I'm not using the service. So to me, I think you guys got it better, even though you might have to come down here if you got a big surgery or something. But when's the last time you had a big surgery? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so like, this is this is the, this is where things get a little bit uh, gray in the Canadian healthcare system is that yeah. 
Yes, the general healthcare system is free per se, but there are just like you guys have states, you have provinces and territories. Every territory and province has their own jurisdiction of what they will cover to an extent. So mm -hmm. the dental vision, uh, extra like support services that go with your healthcare might not be fully covered. Like psychologists mm -hmm. will not be covered for the most part. Mm -hmm. And if they are covered, they're covered for such a small portion that you don't really see the benefit of it because you only have six sessions a year. And we know that is not sufficient, especially if you see uh, mental health support services, dental. Um, if you have a huge dental issue, it is considered a luxury. Mm. So unless it's, it's like a, a, a serious medical surgery that now links into your nervous system and is, it'll exasperate, then they'll look at it. But if it's mm. just like, oh, I would like some uh, cosmetic work or uh, I have a toothache, you got to kind of get your own insurance for it. But yeah. I think a lot of times the issue we have here is that we kind of relaxed and said, oh, thank God we're Canadians. We have this amazing, amazing healthcare system. Yeah. And now with the pandemic and everything that happened, we realize that there's a really serious cracks in our system. And this the cracks cannot be really filled with the infrastructure that's been built around it. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of doctors leaving the industry, the healthcare. There's a lot of nurses leaving. There's a burnout. There's um, there's this new bill that just recently came out. So um, it's called Bill C7, which is the maids bill, assisted death bill. And initially, everybody was like, "Oh, actually, you know, that's good for people that are already that are at uh, terminal illness, and they should have the choice." But now it's been expanded so much that you're like, um, what mm -hmm. was this bill supposed to be to help or to, you know, to alleviate a burden that the healthcare system can't carry anymore? Yeah. So there's a lot of little cracks that are in the system. So I, my perspective of the healthcare system is very unique in the sense that initially I was advocating for people to access and navigate them uh, navigate through the healthcare system mm -hmm. and then i became a patient then i had to navigate it myself and now i'm on a number of uh, boards and advisory committees dealing with like how do we fix the system since it's so broken mm. and the frustration I, is is quite huge yeah i could imagine especially post pandemic for sure um have you guys come to kind of a i mean a silly question but have you come to a conclusion or a, a, a a census on kind of how to move forward and, and how to get better from this, or is it still kind of up in the air? Nobody knows because yeah. the resources are so finite. The way that the healthcare system has already been built is like fee for service for the doctors. So they bill for every 15 or 20 minutes, then how many people do they see, right? Mm. Um, and also when somebody gets discharged from surgery, where are the support services to help them get better? That is not, that's out of pocket. So a lot of people fall into the cycle of poverty right after surgery because they don't have the infrastructure, they don't have the support system. Um, and then it becomes, oh, I thought I, I had a system that was there for me, but I really realized it's only for surgeries, quick physical fixes, but nothing outside of that. Where I think with your system, the insurance policies cover a lot of like massage, uh, all, this, all these things that are built into it. And then the more you're up on the economic um, ladder, 
there's more leverage of like, oh, I can really maintain my full wellness and healthcare and well-being, right? Uh, in Canada, a lot of people are seeing that. Um, if you're yeah. a person conflicted with uh, a rare disease, something that surges outside the traditional norm, uh, then you got to go international sometimes. That's right. Yeah, I've noticed that, especially I had a few buddies that have done like stem cell research and um, they're dipping more into like uh, microdosing and things that America really isn't on par with quite yet. But, you know, like overseas or in Mexico and these type of places where we might have to pay out of pocket for things that are out of the normal and then hopefully we'll kind of catch up to things. But I would imagine it's it's been like that for years, for decades, where healthcare is constantly changing and, you know, Everything that's, especially here in America, if you do have something that's either an underlying condition or some type of issue like I have, I have an autoimmune disease, uh, Crohn's disease. So uh, I was diagnosed about four or five years ago, and I was lucky enough to where I was in and out of the hospital, and um, it, it it would have been a huge out-of-pocket expense for me. Um, and, you know, not just with medication, but I've had surgeries, and I've been in the ER, and I didn't really know what this thing was. So there was a lot of procedures and a lot of things that, that had to be done. So in that aspect, I guess the healthcare system definitely worked in my benefit because I did have insurance through my company where I've been paying every month. And, you know, like I was mentioning earlier, I, I worked there for 10 years and I was paying every month, you know, whatever it was, 200 bucks a month out of my paycheck. And I didn't spend any of that quote unquote money for 10 years. So 20K <laughs> I spent to this company for healthcare and I never used it. And then eventually I ended up having to use it. And those, just those visits alone that I had to go in the ER cost me well over $20,000, but it was covered by insurance. So I, th I think that's kind of the, uh, the benefit of insurance that people don't really think about to where, yeah, you might be paying every month for it and not using it. But if something does happen, God forbid, at least you're going to be covered in that aspect. Um, Do you guys have you guys found that with since the pandemic, the perception of what health is and healthcare has that changed in America? Super interesting question. I talk about this a lot uh, on my podcast because because I've been in a hospital so much, and due to the pandemic and everything that did happen, I focused more on my personal health, mental health, physical health, and things like that. But then I'm realizing that the shift in healthcare, at least from what I've seen, as as much as I've gone in and out is they're only focused on those diseases. So it, it seems like they're they're spending a, an, a vast majority of their time and their studies and everything to kind of educate the population on only these respiratory diseases and these infections, but preventative medicine isn't even on their mind. And me being a personal trainer in a past life, prior to me working in corporate America and doing this podcast, uh, I've always been obsessed with my health, but there's so much interesting information. I don't, I don't know if you're uh, familiar with any of this type of stuff, but you know things like um, uh, contrast therapy, heat exposure, cold exposure, um, you know, even meditation, yoga. These type of things are so interesting. You talked before about like uh, from a psychological standpoint, you know, meditation, your mental well-being could translate to your physical well-being, and that could prevent a lot of some of these diseases. I'm not saying it's the cure for COVID, but it's it's kind of interesting how we're we're in a very rare situation to where we've dealt with this pandemic. And it seems like our healthcare here in America, they're only worried about what can we do for the next pandemic? What vaccine can we push out 
that's sponsored by Pfizer and, you know, Johnson and Johnson and all these companies. But we're not talking about the actual issue, which is our nutrition, our physical well-being. We're still the most obese country in America. So it's funny that we're not spending any money on that education. And to, to answer your question, the long-winded question is, I don't think anything's changed except the fact they've, they're using this as an opportunity to push more medicines on us versus fixing the problem, which is we could have prevented a lot of deaths if America was just more healthy when this pandemic hit us. I mean, it's just a fact because, you know, over, I forget the number, but I think it was 70 something percent of uh, COVID patients were overweight that ended up getting respiratory uh, illnesses and, and dying. From COVID, it was like seventy-something percent of people. So, if we just fixed fixed obesity, yeah, we would have gotten COVID, but people wouldn't have died from it. You know, that was so. It's like, what can we fix? What can we do? And with all that information, still nothing's being done, which is fascinating to me because I'm not intelligent at all when it comes to this. So you would think that people above in the government, CDC, they'd be like, wait a minute, hold on, there there is a correlation. So obese people are actually dying from COVID. So instead of figuring out COVID, why don't we just fix this obesity thing? No, <laughs> not gonna not gonna work. That's too it, hard. It is, yeah. Literally, I am in line exactly with what you said. It's just because um, once you go through the healthcare system and you have your own medical challenges, you're like, oh, there is so much more to wellness than just getting not being sick right now, you know? And then you realize, oh, what infrastructure is there? There is none. Yeah. And then why are like allied health not really supported? Hmm. Like uh, insurance won't cover you for you to go meditate or take care of your mental health or massage or diet or nutrition. But once you get sick, we got a surgery for you. And I think that's really what I'm really advocating against is that the cognitive change in everybody to say, oh, my wellness is the treatment for my health. Like if you start preventative measures early on and you uh, just like we would keep your car tuned up, you need to physically and mentally get yourself tuned up all the time so that you don't have a breakdown. If mm -hmm. your car is constantly getting checked up, you're constantly making sure things are running smoothly. You're checking in on seeing the assessments. You're not going to have a huge breakdown. And if you do, you're much more likely to recover faster than a car that never had an oil change never had any brakes checks and then you just think you're just like okay um was it not expected to happen we live in a fairy tale world that things are going to be perfect forever like no 100%. so yeah so that that's really and I, honestly now that i'm on the inside looking with working with a lot of physicians and government people like can like in the canadian healthcare system they're, they're all frustrated there's like they there is no solution um they're expected to have solutions um, and the pivotal change that's required to overhaul the whole system, nobody's ready to make that change because it is a model that's already been um, indoctrinated to this entire society. Sure. What do you do to medical students? What do you do throughout university? What do you do about early yeah. education? Like everything that's been is going that has been taught has to be erased and restructured. Yeah. You would so have to is, literally rewrite medical books for yes. from decades. Yeah. Yeah. And change the structure of hospitals. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I even talked about this uh, with a buddy of mine when it I love the car analogy, by the way. That, that's that's because I talk a lot about that to where if you want to get an oil change, sometimes people get frustrated where 
every three months you got to get an oil change, right? So that's 10 bucks a month you're spending every three months. It's 30, 40 bucks a month. But if you just do that and you do that preventative maintenance, yeah, it's frustrating. It's time out of your day, whatever. You might have to take a half day off work. But if you do that, not only is your transmission going to run better, your alternator is going to run better, your engine is running better. So now your car is going to last what it's supposed to, which is 250, 300,000 miles versus if you just don't get your oil changed like once a year, if you just do that, if you just change it once a year, you could have some long-term big-time side effects of that, and it's going to trickle down to destroy your vehicle. You're going to have to buy a new car. And I talk a lot about this to where, yeah, that is the case, but you can't buy another body. I mean, this is like the only, this is the most important thing that you're doing in your life, and some some people don't take it seriously. It's very fascinating. And honestly, we got to just keep saying that because I think eventually it's going to click in on people's heads. Right? Like the healthcare is not a fairy. It's not a fairy that's going to come and fix you. And mm -hmm. you're just going to walk away and do all the same old things that you did yesterday. And things are going to work again. So, yeah, and I think it's the change thing, right? People don't like change. You know, that, that's a big part of it too. Like here in America, obviously, this is a totally different topic, but it just came to my mind where <clears throat> I was uh, discussing this with a friend and we were talking about the Second Amendment and, you know, carrying guns. And we, we talked a little bit about that. And even if we decided that it's the wrong thing, Americans are so not used to change that for us to go back to seven, seven, 1776 and for us to eradicate what our founding fathers said about guns is to us a blasphemy. Like, oh, I can't believe this. Why would we do this? And, you know, meanwhile, I'm thinking to myself, okay, so if I was Thomas Jefferson and I was the founding fathers and I wrote that second amendment with a feather in 1776, and then I had a time machine, I'm Thomas Jefferson, I show up in 2023 and I look around and there's guys saying, Hey, you know, we're still following that thing that you talked about in 1776. If I'm Thomas Jefferson, I'm like, wait, well, you're still doing that? You're like, we had muskets. Like, it was a powder and we had to stamp for a bullet. Like, you, now you have these new guns and you haven't changed the law? What? Like, they would be very disappointed, I think, in us. So, but us Americans, we just hate change. We hate, you know, being out of the normal and the uncomfortable and, uh, it's, it's funny when I talk to other people with different opinions because there's no objective view. It's what I know, what I've been raised to do, and that's what I'm going to do. Nothing can change my mind, especially when it comes to nutrition. You know, me being, I'm plant-based after, I'd love to get into nutrition with you for, before we head out, but uh, I've when I was diagnosed with Crohn's, I switched to a plant-based diet after years and years and years of this medication, doctor's visits, and no one was telling me nutrition. Everyone was like, try this medicine, try this. And I was still having issues. Uh, not surprisingly, I'm sure as you know. And once I got off that medication and switched up my diet to plant-based and whole foods and making my own food and growing my own food, the changes in my overall health from skin to my chronic illness, I mean, everything changed. Uh, and is that going to be the case for everybody? I don't know. I just know that it worked for me. And if it works for me, it might work for other people. So I try to talk a lot about that as well on my show where it's just changing up your diet and, and the things that you put in your body and the things that you do to your body is, is going to have a drastic impact on your health long term. What I really like about <clears throat> what you said is that you recognize within yourself that there is a path to wellness for you. Like that if you 
and you tested it and you and now you've developed it and you know it works for you like it is something that's custom like if you gave me the same uh dietary uh, plan that you use it might not work for me but i would have to create my own right mm -hmm. and i think with with mental health and wellness a lot of times we just think it works for him so it's going to work for me and honestly that's not the reality the reality is that you are an individual with your own genetic makeup with your own historical context with your own life habits and you have to figure out what is going to work for you that's right. to be at your optimal best that's right that's right and you know that goes with everything too i mean people don't i mean you're in canada so i'm, I'm not sure the weather right now but i'm in florida so when the pandemic happened we talked a lot about this right is when the pandemic happened, we didn't really know the treatments. We didn't know what to do. Well, we were very fortunate here in Florida because I get vitamin D 360 days a year. And now studies are coming out years later that vitamin D is not only a huge factor just for overall health, but for the uh, pandemic in particular, uh, vitamin D really helped uh, COVID patients and preventative measures for these folks to test positive for COVID. And, you know, you look at like places like Seattle who obviously are very vitamin D deficient, but Americans as a whole, we started to realize that we're, we're already very vitamin D deficient. And a lot of that is the nutrition that we used to get in our food a couple decades ago. Now it doesn't have it, right? Because it's so processed and we're eating all this bullshit, but people aren't getting outside as much. So the last couple of years, they're not getting outside, which is why you ran into, oh, by the way, if you step outside and you go around, you won't, you won't catch COVID. If you're just out and about and we thought it was because of the air and all that. No, it's because the sun really helps get us, you know, soak up with that vitamin D. So if you weren't outside getting that vitamin D, you know, your cases of getting uh, COVID increased drastically. And, you know, that's what's so interesting about like having these, these, uh, these diseases where we're starting to realize, oh, well, this is a preventative measure. But to go back to our earlier question. So we now know you could look at CDC vitamin D is not only going to help preventative measures to getting disease like this, but it helped a lot of patients, right? So why is there no government push to make sure that everybody is getting more vitamin D, at least 5,000 IUs a day? Why do we not just give that to every single human being on the planet? Health what? is a corporation. It's a business. <laughs> That's really the reality. Yeah, it's, it's completely monetized. Yeah. So if you don't want to be sold, it's you got to be selling yourself your own medicine, basically. That's crazy. Yeah. And that's why we all have to do on research, like you were saying, to where we have to figure out each person. Because again, I, I need less vitamin D than someone in Seattle, right? So I, I could just go outside. I don't necessarily have to take a, a couple drops. Um, I can go outside and test my levels and do my blood work and, and do my due diligence to figure that out. But yeah, it's, it's very interesting. We know all the information, um, but yeah, at least I can only speak for, I don't want to speak for every American, but I would imagine the vast majority of Americans know this information, just like we know where our hamburgers come from, but we're choosing, no, no, no. I know what my hamburger tastes like. I want it. I don't care that it gets slaughtered. I don't care that it's completely destroyed in the factory farming and it's disgusting and gross. I don't care about any of that. McDonald's tastes good. So that's the average American. They don't they don't want to change because it's so it's they're so used to it. Right? What what do you say to people that have gone beyond that and said, I will take lap manufactured meat and it'll just taste so good to me because it costs less? Like I, I just it blows my mind. Yeah, it's and not only that, but I've you know, I I now grow my own veggies and fruits. 
And um, I, I really want to get more into that. I, I have this really cool system called Garden. Uh, it's G-A-R-D-Y-N. And it's incredible because it's indoors. It's powered by AI. And it's got these cameras that monitor your plants. And, and it tells you if they need water or plant food and it automatically waters it. So for me, I don't have a green thumb. So that's like heaven on earth to me. But for the first time a few weeks ago, I had a salad from my garden. And I've had salad a lot over the years and being plant-based for a couple of years, I've never had a salad that good in my life. That is not an exaggeration. And it just tastes different. It tastes like a salad supposed to taste like. And even me getting salad from like Whole Foods and Sprouts and all this stuff, you realize when I tasted that versus what I tasted the real deal, it's like there's chemicals in my salad that I buy in the grocery store. I know that now because of the taste. It just tastes, it's that weird taste, but we don't know it though because we're not used to it. So when we want this lab grown, old, disgusting, who knows like what's in this meat, hamburgers, hot dogs, salami, like all this stuff, we're just so used to it. And our palates are so used to it that when I give my, like, you know, a friend this fresh salad, they're like, oh, no, bro, that's disgusting. I'm like, yeah, because for 30 years, you're eating processed food. You don't know what real food tastes like. And when you start training your palate, what real whole foods taste like, it's, uh, it's night and day. And then you start seeing the results in a matter of days, you know, how good you feel and you're sleeping better. And it's, um, it's amazing that, uh, that we don't, take care more you know we don't care more about what we put on our body i think we're we're both saying the same thing honestly yeah. that i completely agree with everything you said which is <laughs> <laughs> <Just> crazy because <laughs> you usually there's a disconnect somewhere you know you just gotta fill in that gap but i completely agree you just you gotta go back to the basics take care of yourself from a holistic perspective and honestly growing your own food is so empowering you don't run out and just like 2 a.m like i need a salad but everything is closed just go, just go right there. <laughs> go get yeah. it. <laughs> and and it kind of makes you think like, you know, what if, God forbid, something happens like, you know, during the pandemic again, like we were shut down, you know, that stores were closed. Well, like, what if that happens again? Well, you're fine. You got your own food. You're good. You could live, you know, during a pandemic or during a zombie apocalypse, like that could happen. And I got food. So that's why I don't tell anybody my address because I have food and I don't want people to know. But- <laughs> we might. For, yeah. For yourself, do you, um, I mean, if you don't mind getting into it a little bit, like what's your, what's your regimen, your, um, your eating habits? Like how do you deal with nutrition for your personal well-being? I went from not being up. This is what, this is where the appreciation really ignited in me that I, when I was on, I, I was on a mechanical heart device that was continuously pumped, like a automatic, like you have no pulse, you have no heartbeat. And you couldn't eat anything nutritious because the vitamins and the vitamin K levels would ruin the system and you could have a stroke and die. So having gone, having, having been somebody that was healthy, active, very nutritiously focused and being told, don't do this. You can't have too much water. You can't have too much anything that's healthy. Eat junk food. Uh, oh. Don't exercise. <laughs> oh my God. So then when I got my health back, I'm just like, I'm going bongers on into this. I'm going to eat as healthy as I can uh, and just be really nutritious. So I've just really been uh, growing my own things, juicing, mm. uh, eating organic as much as I can, reading labels, doing health research on actual manufacturing processes of everything. 
Uh, and you find out a lot that a lot of labels you can't read because they're artificial and they're toxic. Mm-hmm. So it, that's where my perspective comes from. Yeah, that's great. And yeah, reading labels definitely definitely helped me in particular. And, uh, you know, you're not, you know, a lot of people say, well, if you can't pronounce it, uh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't eat it. That's not always true. You know, it's, it's a matter of educating yourself on, um, what's actually that ingredient is. And, you know, uh, even little things like, you know, just the other day we, um, we went grocery shopping, me and my wife, and, um, we're starting to not just read labels, but in terms of like the things that we indulge in, like uh, maple syrup for our pancakes, we make our own pancakes as kind of a treat. And uh, we make our own milk and our own almond butter and all that stuff. But you know, a maple syrup, that's tough to make, right? We don't, we don't have a tree outside. So we're like, all right, let's do this. But instead of Aunt Jemima's or whatever it's called now, I think they changed the name. Um, But instead of Aunt Jemima's, we looked on the back of it and a lot of people don't know there is not one single ingredient that's maple syrup on Aunt Jemima's. It's corn syrup. It's a bunch of bullshit ingredients. And then we found literally right next to it for a couple dollars more, we look on the back of it and it just said organic maple syrup is the ingredient. That's it. That's the only ingredient. There's no other ingredient. And when I tell you we poured that on our pancakes and it was the best pancakes of our life, it was. So why? Do we pick Aunt Jemima's? Well, we pick Aunt Jemima's because we had it as a kid. We pick Aunt Jemima's because they have the best commercials. They have the most commercials. Those little small companies that just say maple syrup on it, they can't afford a commercial in the Super Bowl, but Aunt Jemima's can. So we we have to really start diving in and, and being smart that for all these big companies, they just want to make money. If If we die tomorrow because their product is shit, there's going to be a thousand more humans that are born every single minute, and they look at those humans as dollar signs. Ooh, in five years, they're going to have pancakes, so we need to start putting out these commercials. They don't care about you. And when you start caring about yourself, which is why what you said, you grow your own food, you do what you can, eat organic, and you really focus on you know, doing what's best for you and not what's best for the corporation, man, you're going to see some good benefits. So it's fascinating. Completely agree. Yeah. So true. Yeah, but um, l- let's do this because I didn't realize so we're we're already at like thirty five minutes. So sorry, sorry about that. Um, but I want to be conscious of your time. If you can let people know uh, where to find you, of course, I'll leave all your links and websites in the description below. But um, give a shout out of your social media where we could find you and all that stuff. Um, I help people navigate through the healthcare their own healthcare journeys so that they can uncover the root to their wellness. Because a lot of times we don't understand that before you you got to the hospital, before you got diagnosed, there was a whole journey that got you there. And there's this doctor that's Canadian uh, named Gabor Mate, and he has a book called the Body, When the Body Says No. If you don't listen, when that first knee ache or that first joint issue, it exasperates. And then your body implodes into a serious illness. Um, and for me, Somebody who has gone through this exact issue where I had a very stressful uh, moment in my life, just grinding away, trying to grow my businesses and such, uh, got had a baby shortly after I had a heart attack, and I had to navigate myself all the way back to good health. Thankfully, the healthcare system, although it is fractured, is why I'm here. So I can't really down on the healthcare system 100%, but I can definitely say that when I, in my recovery process, I had to do it alone. And I know a lot of people have, have to do it alone. 
And that's where I come in, in assisting from your, in your recovery. How do you put together a system that's going to bring you back to health and that's going to sustain your health so you don't ever go back to that state? Yeah, because I mean, that's a big opportunity because a lot of people just don't know where to go and they just think that, you know, these doctors and hospitals, they know everything. But unfortunately, it's, you know, that's not always the case. It's not necessarily their fault. They're always, they're good folks and nurses are great and doctors are great. But, you know, we don't understand that a lot of the doctors don't even know anything about nutrition at all. They don't get degrees in nutrition. They don't know anything about that. And sometimes that's the, that might be the fix for some things. So uh, your wellness journey uh, I love that, uh, that you can help people kind of walk through that. So, uh, that's great. I'll definitely leave your website, uh, where people could find you and all that stuff. And, uh, I appreciate your time, uh, today, uh, before you go, if you can, I ask all my guests this before they leave is in the last 12 months, what do you think there's one thing that you took away to make you a better human? Oh, compassion. Compassion. The more compassionate you are to yourself and to others everything gets better because you don't even an argument doesn't escalate if you're like oh that person must be having a hard day today <laughs> you know <laughs> once you fail and you don't meet, meet your deadlines you say you know what i tried my best so that that compassion really is, is one thing that i've really been stewing in yeah. and i'm loving <laughs> i love it well said well everybody uh please uh visit sudi and and her site i'll leave all that in the episode notes uh, below. But Sudi, thanks again so much for your time. This was great. It was great. Good night. Maybe we could do it again sometime. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Sudi. Have a great Enjoyed week. It. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, hey there. First of all, thanks for making it to the end of this video. Not a lot of people do, according to the YouTube analytics. But I, I do want to say thanks for listening to this. There's some more episodes if you want to check those out. And they're all just as good. But if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the channel. Check out those timestamps below to reference uh, some of the topics I talked about, as well as some discount links to some of our sponsors and affiliates. But uh, thanks for listening to this episode, and uh, we'll see you next time.